We continue our series today, Sheep in Action, The Stranger. Maybe you can recall, for some it will be easier than others, but you can recall your college days or your high school days, especially when you were a freshman, just starting out or new at a new school campus. And you're in the cafeteria, you have your tray loaded with your food, you're around the corner, and you come out into the dining area, tray in hand, you don't know many people, and you feel like everybody's looking at you while you're scanning the tables for a familiar face. And you just feel like, it, like you've been standing there for an hour, even though it's only a few seconds, as you try to find a place to sit. At least some of you understand what I'm talking about. And maybe you just pick a table that's empty because you don't see anybody you know. So you just uh, act like you're going to be studying during your lunch hour. Uh, but it's always nice when you see a familiar face or a face that is welcoming and says, hey, come on over here, sit with us. Or maybe you experience this at potluck here. I remember A. Lavea was always so good at being welcoming to the stranger at potluck, being welcoming, making sure that nobody sat alone at potluck. A couple weeks ago, we studied Matthew 25, and we saw that Jesus was saying to the sheep, to his followers in the last days, the things that you did for those who were poor or hungry or naked, those things that you did, you did it unto me. So last week we studied about how God is calling us to have compassion and to work for those who are less privileged than we are. But he didn't just talk about those that are poor. In that passage, as you will remember very well, it also says, and I was a stranger and you took me in. Greek word there for stranger is xenos. It's where we get the word xenophobia. Stranger also means foreigner. And if you're xenophobic, then you're someone who is afraid of those who are different, for those who are strangers or foreigners. And it can even be hatred for those who are foreigners. So Jesus is telling us those who are living in the last days will be characterized by a love that transforms a love even for those who are different, even those that are foreigners, immigrants living among them. You know, one of the great qualities of my dad was he never knew a stranger. He was always looking to make new friends, looking for ways to be a witness. And that's this attitude that Jesus is calling his sheep in the last days to have. Not to be sheepish Christians, but to be sheep-like in the last days. Seeking to invite in, to welcome with hospitable arms the stranger, the foreigner, the immigrant who's among you. So today I want to take a look, a broader look at what Scripture teaches on this topic. And once again, we'll find out it's not just something new Jesus was introducing. It was something that was well established throughout the rest of Scripture. And I'm going to walk over here out of sight for a moment to grab my clicker 
that I conveniently placed here for retrieval. All right. So the first thing I want you to know is when the Bible uses the word stranger, it most often is in reference to somebody who wasn't born among that people group. We would call them a foreigner or an immigrant. But you won't typically find the word immigrant in your Bible. But I give you an example of this. Exodus chapter 2, verse 22. There the Bible says, And she bore him a son and called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. So if you're a stranger in a foreign land, what does that make you? It makes you an immigrant. Uh, and, and there are many examples we could give, but this is uh, a very simple one. When you think about it, really, many of the Bible characters were immigrants. Uh, refugees, even. Abraham and Sarah, very good examples of immigrants. God called them out of Ur to a country that they didn't even know about. And they settled there. They migrated to another country. Jacob and his sons, or Israel, and all of those sons, at the end of the story of Joseph, they immigrated down to Egypt. It was helpful that they knew someone in high places, but they were experiencing famine in their home country. Uh, they couldn't make it. They couldn't survive in the place where they were living, and so they moved. Now, but do we look down on them because they moved and they couldn't, couldn't make it where they lived? Of course not. We say it makes total sense. Things were too difficult where they were, and so they moved. We never criticize them. We don't say, well, they should have just toughed it out, right? Many of the common reasons for migration in our world is simply because life has gotten too difficult where people live, either because of the economy or their food or shelter, freedom or even security uh, for people's own lives. I remember a friend of mine at seminary, he's a pastor here, he's a citizen of our country now, but he talks about how he came from Cuba. Uh, and he, he didn't come legally. He came by a boat, uh, to Mexico, and then through the border. Uh, quite the story. Uh, quite the story. And it was amazing when I heard uh, the first time he went to a grocery store here in America, he started to cry. Because he looked at all the food on the shelves. He'd never seen anything like this before. Having been to Cuba myself, I can understand why someone would want to try to find a better life in another country. I can understand and have compassion for him on his story. You know, Paul, in a sense, was an immigrant. Reportedly, he was born in Persia to a Hebrew family, yet he was fluent in Greek, read the Torah in Hebrew, and he lived in Jerusalem where he often spoke Aramaic and he held a Roman passport. So this guy just had a, a huge blend of backgrounds that made him who he was and gave him an opportunity to minister in ways that others couldn't. Mary, Joseph, Jesus. You remember the Christmas story? We talked about this a few weeks ago. It was great until it was 
horrible, and they feared for their lives. And so they fled as refugees down to Egypt. And thank God Egypt didn't say, you can't come in. Might have been a different story. But they fled and survived a tyrannical leader. Uh, They escaped with their lives. The Messiah was able to seek refuge in another country. We also, as you study the Bible, are immigrants. I want to put a a verse here up on the screen from 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11. 1 Peter 2 verse 11. It says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. You're just a, a pilgrim. You're an immigrant. You're a sojourner. You're traveling through this life. All of us are traveling. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 tells us why we are sojourners and pilgrims. It's because our citizenship is where? It's heaven. We hold the, the passport to heaven. We are just temporarily here. I think that would help us to remember that more often. We're not so much Americans as we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And as such, we need to reflect the attitudes of God towards those who may be called strangers. And don't worry, I'm not going to tell you how to vote in this sermon. I'm not going to suggest that we have no borders to our country and we just let anybody and everybody in. I'm not going to say that. But I want us to think seriously about these verses, and and I'll let you decide on your own how it might impact your thinking on this topic. But before we continue, I just want to recognize sometimes our thinking on immigration, migrants, even those that are undocumented in our country, sometimes our attitudes towards those people have been biased by stereotypes, often misinformed stereotypes. You know, I I did some studying. Um, One concern is, well, what's the effect on our economy when we have people here that are undocumented? And to be fair, it can be a mixed bag, but in Texas, they did a study, the state of Texas studied it out from the year 2005, and they realized the 1.4 estimated undocumented immigrants in in their state added to their gross domestic product $17.7 billion. So if they hadn't have been there, uh, it would have been way different for the state economically in that year. Um, And there are more details to this. It it appears as though it was a net benefit for the state, although there were some strains that were not compensated on local resources. Uh, But actually, 50 to 75% of undocumented immigrants still pay Uh, the taxes that we pay. Uh, And everybody pays sales tax. Um, So we need to think about more of the nuances uh, in this conversation. 42%, according to a Gallup poll, a Gallup survey, 42% of Americans believe that undocumented immigrants lead to more crime, higher crime rates in America. Texas, Texas, 2018 study found actually undocumented immigrants are 45% less likely uh, to be convicted of crimes than people who grew up 
in Texas and our citizens there. And those that immigrated are even less likely, 63% less likely. In fact, I was surprised to learn this too. Relative to undocumented immigrants, U.S.-born citizens are two times more likely to be arrested for violent crime. Twice as likely. Uh, two and a half more times likely to be arrested for drug crimes. The locals that grew up here, and they're four times more likely to be arrested for property crimes. So we need to be very careful what voices we listen to as we think about this. But above all, we need to listen most of all to God's voice. Sure, are there bad apples in every group of people? Absolutely. But even those bad apples need Jesus, don't they? They need to be changed by the power of God. One of my good mentors when I was a young person was a guy who had been a drug dealer, native-born in America, done a lot of bad things in his life, but he found Jesus in prison. And then he became a Bible work leader, a soul winner, a teacher, and an instructor for God's cause. Everybody deserves love and compassion and for us to be working for their salvation. Okay, we could talk more about that, but let's continue on. What does the Bible say about this topic, about the stranger? I'm going to share some more verses here. Exodus chapter 23 and verse 9. Also, God says, you shall not oppress a stranger, a foreigner. For you know the heart of a stranger, because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Be compassionate, God says, because you know what it's like to be displaced and living as strangers and foreigners in another country. By the way, in the Septuagint, the, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the word here for stranger uh, is often translated as proselyte, um, which can have a, a couple of different meanings. We're most commonly familiar with the idea of someone who converts to another faith. Uh, but that's not the exclusive meaning of this word. And just this verse alone shows us that, that that's not the case because God is saying, hey, you were strangers in Egypt. And they didn't convert to the polytheistic uh, worldview and religion of the Egyptians. They maintained, although with compromise, their belief in the one true God. So when we see stranger, we're talking about an immigrant, a foreigner, who may or may not share the views of the Israelites. And that's important to keep in mind, because I want to share the, the next verse here. As Adventists, we've got to know this verse, Exodus chapter 20, verse 10. It says, But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do how much work? No work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. Right in the heart of this cherished commandment, we're reminded we need to give people a break. If you're in a position to do so, give people a break on Sabbath. I don't own a business, but I have the capability of choosing or not choosing to make others work by the choices of what I do 
on the Sabbath day. Even if they don't believe the same as me, I want to give people as much as I can the option to have Sabbath rest. Um, even their animals, they let rest. Animals don't quite have a soul like we do. So it wasn't, it's not a moral issue for the animals, but God said, no, no, no. The animals even deserve a break. Notice this one. Similar idea, Exodus 23, verse 12. Six days you shall do all your work, and on the seventh you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may rest, and the son of your female servant and the stranger may be refreshed. We need to think about our choices in life and how we might be impacting even the option for others um, to rest or not rest here. Continuing on, um, in the book of Ezekiel, the, uh, the prophet is, is, is doing this countdown, as it were, towards the destruction of Jerusalem. And one of the sins that he mentions is here in Ezekiel 20, uh, 22, verse 29. It says, The people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppress the stranger. Again, one of the things that led up to the destruction of Jerusalem was a heart that was calloused by sin, and it manifested itself in unloving behavior towards the poor and needy and towards the foreigners, towards the immigrants. I don't want my heart to become calloused towards those around me. I don't want to be carrying around prejudices. I want God to give me the same love that he has for me, for everybody. Two more verses here. Numbers 15, 16. Notice this one. There shall be one law and one custom shall be for you and the stranger who dwells with you. This is equality. Equal treatment for those who were native-born and those who were immigrants. Finally here, Ezekiel 47, verse 23. And it shall be that in whatever tribe the stranger dwells, there you shall give him his inheritance, says the Lord God. Not just equality, but having a, a seat at the table, as it were. Having a place to live, land to be able to farm, to use. So we see, number one, we are citizens of a heavenly country. Our passport is stamped for heaven. And along the way, we're to treat everybody with love and compassion. In the Old Testament, God instructed his people, treat the foreigners fairly. Even let them have the Sabbath off. View them with compassion because you know what it's like to feel displaced. And I'm so thankful that our church is not just monochromatic, that it's not just a bunch of white people born in America for generation after generation. And I love all people, but I'm so blessed, Urina, that you came from Dominican and immigrated here to America. What a wonderful blessing you are to our church. I mean, it's a blessing that all of us were able to come here through our ancestors from Europe or wherever we came from. Just think about our international Sabbaths and how rich they are because we're a nation that allows people to come here, to immigrate here. 
But you know, God doesn't just want us to view others, view strangers with love and compassion. He also calls us to reach out to them, to minister to them, to reach out, uh, to spread the gospel. I want to read you here a quote from one of the founders of our church, Ellen White. Notice what she had to say here about opportunities to reach foreigners. She says, great benefits would come to the cause of God in the regions beyond if faithful efforts were put forth in behalf of the foreigners in the cities of our homeland. Among these men and women are some who, upon accepting the truth, could soon be fitted to labor for their own people in this country and in other countries. Many might return to the places from which they came in the hope of winning their friends to the truth. They could search out their kinfolk and neighbors and and communicate to them a knowledge of the third angel's message. This is awesome. Maybe you've desired to be a missionary to foreign countries, but you're just not quite sure you can hack it without the comforts of American living. Good news. You can be a missionary to to nations around the world by reaching out to immigrants and refugees who are here in our city, in our region. Let me read you one more quotation here. This is another really good one. As I have testified for years, if we were quick in discerning the opening providences of God, we should be able to see in the multiplying opportunities to reach many foreigners in America. God in his providence has brought men to our very doors and thrust them, as it were, into our arms that they might learn the truth and be qualified to do a work which we could not do in getting the light before men of other tongues. Instead of viewing people from other countries coming to America as a burden, we should say, thank you, Jesus, for giving us this opportunity to reach out. Thank you for this opportunity. God wants to change our thinking. Um, All of us need to continue learning and growing. But perhaps God will call you to, to begin to reach out to people who are different, people who look different and have different backgrounds and different cultures. Uh, there's so much for us to learn on this topic. And I'll be honest, each week I'm, I'm talking about different people groups. You're not going to be able to devote your life to each category. You're not going to be able to do all of the action steps each week. Uh, I'm just trying to, number one in this sermon series, open up our eyes and our minds and get us to start prayerfully um, imagining the possibilities and saying, okay, God, Here's my heart. I'm open. Lead me to use my time, talent, and resources as I can. So what are some action steps? We've seen clearly we need to be loving all people, hospitable to all people, understanding the different circumstances that people come to our area from. But not only that, We've been given a mission to spread the good news to the world. So what are some action steps? Well, number one, if there are strangers in your neighborhood, as in people you don't know, try to get to know your neighbors. Don't be a stranger to the people living next door. 
whether they were born here or born somewhere else. Seek opportunities. Seek excuses to get to know your neighbors. If they're just moving in, offer to help them. Uh, on holidays, take them a little treat. Uh, do something to try to get to know your neighbors. Don't live as a stranger. You know, when COVID improves and we're able to be back in here together again, uh, seek out people you don't know, whether they're strangers, visitors to the church, or just people in the pews. Get to know them. And, uh, and one of the best ways you can do that is by inviting them over to your house for a meal. I mean, potluck is great, but it takes it a, a step further when you're willing to say, hey, stranger, <laughs> not in those words, come to my house for a meal. When you open up your home to someone who you don't know very well, that's a big step, and it's an opportunity um, to practice the skills that you will need uh, in reaching out to others in our community. Start praying and asking God to remove any prejudice you might have in your heart towards people who are different from you. Uh, it's hard to minister effectively if we have bias and prejudice in our hearts and lives. So spend more time learning, um, learning about the stories of other people. And it's interesting when you get to hear what life is like in other countries. And you begin to understand more uh, of someone's background through this way. Ask God to give you opportunities to start meeting people from different backgrounds here in Modesto or wherever you're watching from. Just say, God, I'm open to, to trying to be a blessing. Um, give me opportunities to do this. And by the way, uh, we emphasize GLOW ministry here at our church, those little pamphlets. Uh, I think I have a slide here uh, that show the different languages. They're not just in English. They're in all sorts of different languages here. Uh, but let me first read you this quote. We are not to wait for souls to come to us. We must seek them out where they are. There are multitudes who will never be reached by the gospel unless it is carried to them. So we need to be proactive. One of the ways to do that is through GLOW. Let's see if I have that slide. Maybe I didn't even put it in the presentation. Anyways, you can go to glowonline.org and they have GLOW printed in, I don't know, at least 20 different languages. So if you're looking to be a blessing to refugees or people in your, in your town, they might have material printed in the language that you're looking for. One way to bump into people that are different is to shop at some of these uh, ethnic stores, ethnic markets. Uh, go to different restaurants in town as they start to open back up again. And begin to try to make friends. As my dad used to tell me, first goal is make a friend. Uh, you can't make a Christian friend until you make a friend to begin with. Our first goal is to make a friend. Um, this afternoon, and I know I said this last week, but I am going to put some resources and links on our Parkwood Facebook page of ways that you can get more information and more plugged in. Our God of love reached down to us while we were yet sinners, and he died for us. My challenge to you today is to simply open up your heart and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do with the information I've been presented with today? God, I'm willing to be a blessing 
to people, immigrants, refugees in this area. Or God, please help me to be willing and give me opportunities to do that. Help me to see the opportunities that already exist. Are you willing to pray that prayer? Let's pray right now. Loving Heavenly Father, we want to have a heart that's more like you. We want to be more open to ministering to people of all backgrounds, all cultures. We realize, Lord, we can't do it all, but we can do something. And so please lead us to people in this town, whether they be immigrants or refugees, or whether they just be our next-door neighbors that were born here and have been in this country forever. Lead us to opportunities this week to make a difference for you. We know we won't regret it, and so we thank you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Sabbath. God bless.